Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Jesse. Jesse is the filthiest wizard that has ever been on this podcast. I could just go ahead and straight up say that. Um, she is somewhat responsible for the recent vor craze that has taken over our Twitter, and I'm not sorry for it. Jesse is a delightful person. Um, you probably know her from the Salt Report podcast, uh, featuring former guests like Jake Lionheart, Kay, and our good friend Nikki, who we t- continually <laughs> talk about in this episode. Um, it's an interesting episode because Jesse hasn't actually played all of the games or anything, but she's very, very familiar with them. And it's interesting to see an illustrator's and artist's perspective of these games um, without all of the stuff around it. Anyway, I think this is a really good episode and I think you're going to enjoy it. So take a listen. So let's start out at the, I guess, at the very beginning. What is your experience with the Dark Souls series as a whole, including Bloodborne and Demon Souls? Um, so when I when I first, you know, started uh, started playing video games, really, because um, I, I like I was off and on since a kid, and uh, when when I got back into it, people were talking about Dark Souls and how hard it was, <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm a filthy casual, like this isn't for me. So I kind of like put it aside and was like, this isn't something I could do. Um, and then of course I, I reconnected to, uh, Nikki, who's also been on your show. Mm-hmm. Um, and we spent a summer specifically just talking and the only thing she was doing nonstop while we were talking was Dark Souls PVP. And she's like, when you come and visit, we got to play Dark Souls. <laughs> 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 and, uh, I, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can play Dark Souls, man. Because, like I said, you know, everybody had told me it's so hard. It's it's excruciatingly hard. Um, and the other thing that I had heard from her specifically was uh, she hated um, magic and magic PvP because it's broken. Yeah, yeah. and uh, oh, so I <laughs> I showed up to uh to her house and she i was like are you gonna teach me how to play dark Souls?" she's like I- i'm not gonna teach you you're just gonna play so i build my character immediately made myself a magic user um and i started playing and i died a lot i mean as you do and i and like she's like do you want me to do you want me to do this for you i'm like no no do i'm gonna do this um, <laughs> it specifically was dark souls 3 i was just about to and, ask because uh, i know she didn't she, i don't think she's played dark souls 1 so you're starting from the most recent game yeah i started from the most recent game and i immediately was like no i, I gotta do this myself and even nikki was like this casting time thing is uh is a real bitch <laughs> <laughs> and and when I beat my first boss, there was like this feeling of like pure euphoria, like that first boss. And, uh, you know, I was, I think I was lucky to have Nikki there. Cause she's like, just, just watch the patterns. Cause there's patterns. Right. Mm-hmm. And she made it feel like it was more accessible, I guess. Um, but like that feeling of euphoria is like why I think a lot of people love that game. Cause like, it's not, you don't love it cause it's hard. Cause I could go do like, advanced calculus and not feel that way (laughs) i have solved the equation for the triangle and it is the best thing i've ever done with my life (laughs) (laughs) but like playing dark souls you know it has that feeling um but seeing the games like i from an artist perspective i i got really interested in them so i started um watching playthroughs because i wanted to see everything i wanted to see it extensively i wanted to see dark souls 2 i wanted to see dark souls i wanted i started looking up all the art books and i kind of got super into it and bloodborne i feel like bloodborne was even more up my alley not that i don't love dark souls um Mm -hmm. but i think just aesthetically like i really ended up loving bloodborne and getting into the story of bloodborne because i like there's a lot happening. There's a lot of interpersonal stuff happening in Bloodborne that isn't like necessarily there in Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all really thanks to Nikki, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to include her a link to her episode in the show notes in case people forgot. But uh, Nikki, just for the listeners out there, uh, Nikki has been on two episodes of this podcast. One just when me and her basically became best friends over Dark Souls. Like you can hear that happening live <laughs> in that conversation. And then um, she brought um, three of her extremely 
gay friends with her to talk about how much they want Lady Maria to step on them for about an hour. So uh, go check out both of those episodes if you're curious about what, this person named Nikki that we keep talking about. Um, I'm curious, Jesse, what have you done that with other games? Have you seen other games and been like, oh man, this the art style of this is something that I love so much. I don't even care about playing it. I'm just kind of I just want to consume all of it. I you know not really now that you say that mm-hmm. I mean. When I first started playing video games, there was always like um, Final Fantasy. And I think that my friend always had art books. She was really rich, so she could uh, have them right up and close and personal. Um, Or uh, I I definitely, for um, the Dragon Age games, I do follow a lot of those concept artists just because they're pretty out there with their work. Um, But I've never so wholly, like, (laughs) it was a little bit of a like you know like a late night uh, um like research talking to nikki for hours about this game asking her questions and i've never had that before and i i really think like i was just so enamored with the like the the grotesque nature of the game Mm -hmm. um but in a way that was sublime i guess like when people used to talk about like you know lord byron or Mary Shirley's Frankenstein, they were talking about the sublime where it's like something so horrific that it's beautiful or something Mm -hmm. so beautiful that you're slightly afraid of it. And I think the Dark Souls games were like that. And it wasn't like creepy as in just like beneficially creepy just to be creepy. It was creepy in like the fact that like, okay, this is, this is gorgeous. Like there are times when I'd be like, stop, I just want to see the world. (laughs) 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 You like pan the camera around. Um, I would, uh, I I would pay as much as like $60 if there was a mode in Bloodborne where I could just literally use it as a walking simulator. Like just let me, you know, subtract all of the enemies from the game and just like wander around or better yet, like just freeze everything in time. So they didn't react to me so i can get like real up close and like look at them <laughs> i would love that yeah kind of i definitely stuff. think oh one time i watched this video of, of someone who uh was examining i don't know it was some kind of hack i guess nikki and i were talking about it but uh gwendolyn snake legs in the mm-hmm. second dark souls game and just zooming in on them like <laughs> extensively <laughs> like pulls out his uh his little his little binoculars and zooms in like what are those <laughs> and i uh what is I up especially- with uh, gwen's kids by the way because like most of his kids have weird snake things like his uh the Monster the chicken dark the chicken dark souls 3 has like little weird neck tentacles coming out of her neck like it's just so yeah. bizarre i don't know if you've seen that or not but like it's just a like yeah. dude who you be fucking man like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> i think it's kind of interesting cuz like i mean he's a god essentially and if you i i don't this is kind of weird but uh i i love mythology and there's a lot in mythology about a for different world mythologies about like essentially gods having sex with humans or whatever and then producing these like kind of monster children like somewhere in between like mm-hmm. a minotaur like not quite entirely uh human appearing um and i think that's like part of the beauty of dark souls a little bit is that like you can you can definitely see um like dude is definitely obsessed with uh, uh lovecraft and that's more evident in uh, bloodborne mm-hmm. but he also seems to like the director seems to understand a lot about mythology like i remember specifically with gwendolyn because he's my favorite he's my child my son <laughs> um <laughs> I remember Nikki is like, so he raised him as a woman and I don't know why. And I'm like, well, isn't he associated with the moon and the moon is a lady. And she's like, no, that's not it. Right. And she goes on this research rampage (laughs) and it comes down to most, the general consensus is that it has to do with his affinity for the moon because the moon is feminine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, look at your girl go the moon is a lady (laughs) (laughs) man um tumblr gets all up in arms when you start talking about gwendolyn because if you and i think it's only like the the argument can go either way of uh like what pronouns to use for gwendolyn and things like that Mm -hmm. because i don't know man and like at a it's it's just it can get it can get kind of hairy um talking about that stuff but like the because the game is so intentionally vague about everything and that's one of the things that i love about the the soul series is like you you Mm -hmm. have these these figures and they are you, you mentioned horrifying like and almost horrifyingly beautiful and that's kind of like Gwendolyn right like he's this thing that's so 
difficult to absorb whole whole whole, uh, wholeheartedly that it's it's just it's almost off-putting and still attractive at the same time and uh and you're right like miyazaki does that so well with a lot of his bosses like um there's a story way early on of him talking about the gaping dragon i don't don't know if you remember the big vagina dragon that's in um, yeah yeah. the tooth vagina frog legs (laughs) yeah sure yeah that one (laughs) yeah One of the, uh, they did, a, I guess, an early take on that. And he was like, no, this is, you're just being gross. Like, we, we want to see, like, we want to see beauty, but sad. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't want to see just gross for the sake of gross. And I think that that ethos carries through most of the games. Like, I don't think it's all of the everything, which, because nothing can be like all of that all the time. But that's one of yeah. the things that I think is attractive, is attractive about all of the, like, monster and NPC designs. Yeah, I think definitely, like, uh, Vicar Amelia is a great example of that to me. Oh, yeah. Um, Also, my girlfriend, uh, the dancer of the Boreal Valley, (laughs) she is so beautiful, but she is so contorted and strange looking. But she's gorgeous. Like, you're looking at her and, like, how how can that, like, so separated from, like, the human form still be beautiful and yet it is and i like that about these games like you're like this is truly horrifying but also gorgeous and then you have things like um uh one of my favorite (laughs) my favorite uh bosses is uh altridge um the devourer of gods Mm -hmm. and uh who a lot of people theorize is you know like basically eating gwendolyn um that the vor boss <laughs> i always call uh i always call him the vor boss um which is real weird to me cuz like gwendolyn went in snakes first so <laughs> <laughs> I never like, <laughs> like that like you know how like when you eat live octopus and like the people say that like the tentacles move around like there's so yeah. much going on with that and nikki hates it when i mention this but uh that boss to me is gorgeous, like gorgeous. And then when you zoom in on it, like when you, I mean, it's really hard to zoom in on it because <laughs> you're like dodging it. But when mm-hmm. you zoom in on it and you really look what's happening with not just um, the Gwendolyn-esque part of the top, which is beautiful, but like the actual like Altridge being itself and like this gross mass of decomposition decomposition basically it's it's beautiful but it's also horrifying (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's very scary eating something snakes first is is like i live in south louisiana we eat eat a lot of weird shit like we eat snakes and stuff like you know it's not uncommon to see like fried frog legs on a menu somewhere um and it's it's all good but like i've never just that term is so gross to me like i'm just gonna eat this thing (laughs) snakes first (laughs) like it's it's horrifying like there's Mm -hmm. so there's so many things going on there i'm like there's like vor and tentacles and snakes and it's just what is happening but you don't really think about it all unless you're me you Mm-hmm. <laughs> really think about it all when you're looking at it it's just kind of sad like that's another thing is the melancholy in those games i think people are like it's it's an aggressive game but it's also it's generally sad and the more you pick up items and the more you learn about these characters the sadder it kind of gets because dark souls is interesting i think that was another thing that m- made these games really interesting to me is the storytelling um, because as a comic writer, I'm always looking at new ways to kind of tell stories. And this whole thing about picking up items and really learning about these um, characters and these situations through the items, mystifying to me. But also, I'm a lazy mofo. So <laughs> I would be the person who would like not pick up items. And Nikki's like, I have to go like climb this tree so I can get into this area to get this item. Right. And I'm like, I I can't do this, man, but I want to know. So it makes, I guess it makes you less lazy as a player as well. Mm-hmm. Cause it inspires you to actually go look at what those items are. Uh, my, my friend, yeah. my friend Gary wrote a um, dark souls parody book based on like the old, um, I don't know if you remember the old, like Nintendo uh, worlds of power games or books yeah. that used to come out. <laughs> So it's one of those, um, I'll, I'll send you a link to it, but in it, he's, he describes someone, uh, the main character is a woman and she picks up a, a, a sword and she, she, he describes peeling the post-it note off of it to read it what he does. <laughs> 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 and it's, and now every single time I pick up an item in a Souls game, I literally, like, I see my character in the in my head just like peeling off the post-it note going, uh-huh, okay, okay, okay. Wow, really? That's All right. <laughs> so interesting. Because <laughs> I guess I never really thought about it as a factor in game. Like, I always think about it as like 
you know, like, I don't, as the player, but not as your avatar mm-hmm. in, encountering these things. And I guess it's good design if I'm not even thinking about it. But then the idea of like, oh yeah, there's like a note here um, to use this. Like, <laughs> why did you why did you write about your grandmother's uh, you know funeral on this sword? And why didn't you write about all of it? Why are you leaving out parts? <laughs> you know, a lot of people are cryptic at this at the period at this period of the rebirth cycle. I I think immediately um, when as Nikki's explaining these games to me and as I was watching playthroughs and playing and like, I, I was like, why do we keep lighting these bonfires? And, and and Nikki is like, well, that is a choice. And I'm like, well, fuck them. I'm done with this. (laughs) I I don't give a shit. Like I'm ready to die now. Like, and I think that's something else about me that, uh, that Nikki and I differ on because Nikki is a completionist completely. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm very much, I'm very honest when I play games. Sometimes if I want a different ending, like, of course, I'll go back and play through. Um, I definitely wanted to see all the endings with Bloodborne. Um, but I'm very honest when I when I complete a game about, like, what I would do. And I guess some people aren't as much about, <laughs> they want to see the endings. And that's totally, completely fair. But I'm not a completionist. I'm very honest when I play games. And I'm like, well, fuck this world. I'm done with these bonfires. I'm not lighting the last bonfire. Like... I'm do- I like everybody is suffering like <laughs> that was um, every time I saw that was exactly the choice that I was really hoping for as an ending in Dark Souls 3 because you know it was kind of advertised as the last Souls game you know we're not going to be returning to the series etc cetera, etc cetera. so I really wanted a you know break out of the cycle kind of ending like no more rebirth no more age of darkness turning back into an age of fire or whatever like I just just end it all like destroy everything like the the holocaust option or whatever but I guess they have to leave a little bit of vague opening to just in case there's a Dark Souls four around the corner. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I guess it, it is one of those games that is so popular that eventually, I feel like, depending on the success of the company itself, they mm-hmm. might go back to. Um, and then there's always forever waiting for Bloodborne two. <laughs> Can they even do that? Uh, you know what's funny is I. Uh, I decided for some ungodly reason that I was going to watch Brotherhood of the Wolf. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because somebody told me that, you know, like there's theories that it inspired a lot of Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. Um, Brotherhood of the Wolf <laughs> is a French film, the length of a Lord of the Rings film, by the way, because <laughs> I think I was there for three hours. <laughs> it's, um, it's a long movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long movie. Have you seen it? I saw it when I was uh, like 18 or 19, like my, some one of my friends brought it around and I was just like, when is this movie going to end? Like I'm enjoying it, but goddamn, we've been here forever. I, <laughs> I know. And the weirdest part for me with that movie was like, uh, uh, like, okay, so they, they ride up and you're like, okay, I see like, this is like the hunter garb, like is what they're trying to tell me of this game. Uh, but at first I didn't understand, like, how could this get any more bloodborne Cause it like right away, I guess to the, who the villain was Mm -hmm. but i didn't i in no way was gonna be able to guess the reason or how (laughs) (laughs) like there's like some big church who's disguised and like this lion hybrid robot like monster that they created and brought back from africa and then it was the wolf and and there's the native american dude and i'm like what are you doing in france and there's so (laughs) so much and i'm like just the sheer confusion of it all is what playing bloodborne feels like i think it took me three go-throughs of like like play of like analyzing it and watching to really grasp the entirety of what was happening in the game. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Um, I, I just feel like it, it, it was a lot of what the fuck is going on ever, I, but I don't think you get it. You feel it as much when you're playing as when you really try to sit down and like, like Nikki and I try to sit down sometimes and figure out what exactly happened. Yeah. Um, like trying to come up with the timeline, like to, to try to figure out like, when did they find this and when did they find that? And what made this happen is extraordinarily difficult to do with these games. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. But I think that's part of the reason so many people, 
I think people pretend they want an absolute answer, but I think it's more fun for people to like sit around and just <laughs> hypothesize about what is actually going on in the games. Yeah, that's the um, that's always like the when we talk about Demon Souls and uh, the mm-hmm. fact that they hosted a wiki for for Demon Souls when it first came out, and they were actively encouraging people to share information with each other without explaining anything about the game. Like they want they wanted to capture that you know there's a, a there's a secret level where you can play luigi in super mario brothers playground rumor <laughs> thing right <laughs> like <laughs> they really wanted to, to to get that and i think like more than anything i find like like dark souls does that um to, to a lesser degree bloodborne does it like dark souls is full of mystery to me like just mm-hmm. it, i mean you when you start out like immediately the game lies to you like it tells you like you're gonna have to go ring the bell and then you get to firelink and, and they're like uh, actually two bells <laughs> like the very first thing the game does is lie to you so it's that's just like really entertaining to me and it's it's something that i love about these games that they trust the players so much to put those pieces together like they, they don't i remember playing like a long time ago um I don't even remember who it was. It was some, you know, dude, bro, shoot him up. And the camera, like, I was in the middle of a fight, and the camera, like, literally got wrenched out of my hand to, and, like, so I could focus on, like, the ship crashing into the planet or something. And I was like, dude, I'm playing. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to do a thing over here. I was about to shoot that guy, and it was, was going to be real cool. Uh, but Dark Souls doesn't do that. Like, there's cutscenes, but it's, you know, you are in the cutscene. Like, your player character is in the cutscene with whatever dumbass armor that they happen to be wearing or whatever, you know, fresh threads <laughs> that they have to be wearing. And it's it's something that's like... You can't it, fight crime if you ain't cute. Can't fight crime when you're not cute. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> are you uh, are you into the fashion this game, speaking of? Because I know that's one of the big things that for a lot of people is the, the fashion souls aspect of just, you know, playing, playing kind of dress up. I mean... I guess, but I feel like I always have one favorite armor and then uh, it then it's over for me. Like, that's it. Or one, you know, like, I mean, a lot of people are really into stats. Here's what I will tell you about me. If I could, I would have one weapon through the entire game and never change it. I was that person who played uh, Kingdom Hearts back in the day. And when I had to switch Keyblades, I was real salty about it. Like, <laughs> I don't want to have to do this. And it's like, you need to do this to beat this level and i'm like i don't want to do this um so i mean because i'm an artist everybody's mm-hmm. gonna be like filthy casual i am a filthy casual um as casual as you can be about this game uh i i always pick the armor i just actually i mean like i guess it is fashion souls for me like especially like dark souls 3 like um my favorite there i feel like dark souls 3 is my favorite just because it's the first one i played sure. so i guess that's an unfair bias but um the uh the dancer set is my favorite because i've never in seen you be able to equip armor in a game that can be so delicate and there's no weird like awkwardness with it i don't know how to explain that to you there's no there's you. no negative consequence right like usually yeah. like you're going to wear the the flimsy armor and you're going to have like you know 16% whatever like it's not or you're gonna have some negative at- attribute listed with that because it's you know fancy and it's not you know fighty and uh Dark Souls really doesn't it does that a little bit with stuff but to the most extent like especially in Dark Souls 3 where armor kind of barely matters unless you start getting into like min maxi pvp stuff but you know it, you can just wear whatever you want to like I, I loved I used to wear the veil with uh, basically everything that I wore because I loved all the flowy veil thing flying behind me when I would run around like it was just so cool looking it's so cool it's got this like ghost mechanic almost where mm-hmm. you kind of feel like it, this that translucency I've never seen really in a game this is so <laughs> this is you can real tell I'm a I'm an artist, but <laughs> I have such a boner for that armor. Like every time I see it, I'm just like, it's so beautiful. <laughs> um, I'll try I to put an image of it in the show notes so people can go check it out real quick <laughs> if they're not familiar. <laughs> um, it's kind of funny because I always talk about uh, sword mechanics because I'm really into uh, medieval martial arts. Uh, I did fencing in high school and I did uh, staff fencing as well because it was a requirement. Um, and I've done archery as well, but specifically with swords, uh, they always tell you, okay, there are some swords where I would say this definitely is going to slow you down. Um, but most of the time you, you know, like they'll tell you, okay, well you have this big sword, so you're slower than this person with a rapier or whatever, but really it's, it's not, you're not much faster with a smaller sword. 
um, in real life. Like, it's not that much of a difference. It's just so that, you know, they really slow down the the big sword so that you don't get butt hurt when someone, you know, hits you with a big fuck off sword. <laughs> um, Nikki's favorite weapons of choice are always the, the big, big fuck yeah, off big sword. Fuck off swords. Yeah. We, we, we very yeah. much bonded over that because it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the big truck of swords, I guess. Um, so I kind of think that's, that's funny, but it, it works in game and that's why they do it, especially for PVP. Like, not as much so with bosses, um, but in PvP, it's really important. I think it was interesting to me, the casting time when I first started that game was crazy long. Like, I've experienced casting time before, but they really wanted you to suffer for those first levels of being a magic user. They are like, they just knew that it was, you know, they are like, oh, Nikki hates this, so we're going to make it real hard. <laughs> So I'm I'm, a, like, I'm also a filthy wizard. Like I, I'm a big magic you're user. Also a yes, filthy yes. wizard. I, I love I love playing magic builds, and uh, that's usually my first go to. Like when I was when I started Dark Souls three, I was like, oh yeah, the sorcerer intelligence. I'm gonna get a dagger. I'm gonna stab stuff in the back. I'm gonna shoot it from far away. Like that's gonna be my my jam. And then got to um, the big weird tree boss, and was like, oh, yeah. this game is unplayable if you're a sorcerer. Okay, cool, <laughs> oh, cool, excellent, good to know. <laughs> like, I'm just never gonna proceed. <laughs> <laughs> like instant hard mode is to exactly. be a sorcerer in Dark Souls. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely a magic build person. It's just kind of how I like to play. Even when I'm playing a, if I don't have a magic option, like if it's a PvP kind of game, um, like say like a Overwatch, I'm always support. Like I'm either a healer or I'm playing like a DPS character as support, just because. That's how I, I like to be far away. I don't like to be like right up in it because I get anxiety. Um, <laughs> but I think the way that the bosses work in Dark Souls, um, definitely like once you see the pattern, it makes you think. Like when I first got into that game, there's uh, Nikki's like, you need to stop panic rolling. Okay. And, um, <laughs> but it's so terrifying. The first time a boss, he just, the first boss in dark souls three just runs at you at full speed. Yep. And you're like, what yeah. the hell? He literally right? shoulder bashes you. Like he runs at you to hit you with like a football p- p- player, right? Like just, <laughs> he's just going to bowl you over. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. And I'm I, like little old casual me sitting here with my, you know, casting time. And I'm like, I'm going to die. Like, this is it. This is, I'm just forever, never going to beat this game. And, um, but I, I stuck with it and Nikki's like, well, just watch what he does. And like, everything happens in patterns. And I think that's the equalizer for this game. If you can figure out the patterns, like sometimes I watch other people play. I know I watched a playthrough with Aaron, um, for game grumps and he's awful. and like part of the reason is is because he doesn't think and as a person who's used to you know i'm used to um rpgs uh and but i'm also i'm i'm a guilty my guilty pleasure is uh fighting games um specifically like soul caliber street fighter oh wait dead or alive who's your soul caliber main i gotta know um it's been so long but uh the oh god what is her name the wind village girl with the oh uh not taki uh, taki was a chick with the size um you're talking about the one with the sword and the shield no she has the um let's see it's been so long i think the... <laughs> we're, now we're in don't give up uh don't give up Siegfried territory i'm sorry everybody I, I would, it's fine my friends and i played soul caliber like religiously for probably three years straight like it was a ridiculous oh. thing so like I, when someone says soul caliber it's it's just like huh excuse me talum <laughs> oh yeah 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 okay yeah I had a friend who played her okay i was a talum main um and that was interesting <laughs> uh i played but i you know like you can kind of get it get away with like um, when I, when I started playing these games, I didn't know any of the mechanics. Like, I'm just like, I'm just gonna fucking smash buttons. And then eventually you realize what you're doing. Um, you can't do that with Dark Souls. <laughs> you can't like just mash button mash or panic roll or just, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to do this a bunch of times and hope for the best. Like there, there's none. You can't, you can't. Um, and I think that was the hardest part for me when learning to play that game. Is that you actually have to get good? Like, like I, <laughs> I thought that was just a joke. Like when people were like, "Get good," and I always said it to Nikki. And then now I realize that's what it means. 
Like, yeah, it's actually to to like take the game on its own uh, merits, I guess. Like, because I did the same thing when I started playing it. I was so used to playing stuff like Assassin's Creed or or whatever that mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm basically an invulnerable kill monster. Like, I'm just gonna run through this and not really. And then, oh god, I'm di- I'm dying over and over again. And that's um, I got a little overconfident the other day. I'm doing another Dark Souls one run for, for uh, streaming it every once in a while, and uh, I was like, "Well, I'm I'm a badass. I talk about Dark Souls like 20 hours a month. Like, I, I'm definitely way better than this." And just like tried to run through a bunch of hollows and just very like right outside of Firelink, like the most the, the easiest thing in the world, and it just got like killed to death and then kicked off a cliff. And like, just makes you realize, like, oh yeah, you actually have to pay attention to what you're doing. You can't even if you've done this before, you have to pay attention to it. Like, it, you have to do that. So. That's and that's it, really hard for casual gamers too, um, but I think it was worth it for me. Even though I'm a casual gamer, like it's definitely something uh, I, I especially have because I the first time I ever played was with Nikki. It's like I have this special bond with her. Like I remember her being there the, when I beat the first boss, and that was it's kind of like it's an emotional feeling. Um, the the like euphoria you get so i can definitely see how people get emotionally involved uh with playing these games are kind of like it's kind of addicting like right away you're like oh man this game um i definitely i had a little bit of a uh i like the i like the mystery of dark souls a lot Mm -hmm. um but i also really like the characters of bloodborne um especially like i have a special place in my heart for eileen uh, Nikki and I call her Crow, Crow Mom. Mom. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I actually have a print of her in my room, always watching over me. She's above my bed. Um, and I, I got so, I cried over uh, Crow Mom. I cried over a video game, which is very <laughs> unusual for me. Um, and I, uh, I, I really fell in love with her. I also really fell in love as, as Nikki has was you had a whole entire episode talking about Lee Maria. Um, there's just something, there's just something so, uh, I think, I think, I guess game creators could learn a little bit about like what makes a character attractive, like especially a female character and she's beautiful, but I think just her, like her, <laughs> her indifference to you <laughs> mm-hmm. makes her very attractive as a character. So, the the I will liberate you from your idle curiosity and j- then just the sound of her swords cracking open is such an attractive moment um and it's not attractive in like the casual way yeah of like like a female character being attractive I guess it's not I want to see you naked right it's, it's yeah I want to know everything there is to know about you you were incredibly fascinating like it's that yes. it's that kind of attraction and it's it's something that uh, they they just like nailed with Lady Maria so well, especially because her backstory kind of holds up under that scrutiny. Like once you start realizing why she was there, the things that she did to try to prevent you from proceeding and finding out these secrets, like trying to pre- you know trying to liberate you from your idle curiosity, like the things that she's willing to go to, like calling on her you know family's blood magic, that's something that she told herself she would never do, like all that kind of stuff is just. Like it, it, it makes you even more curious about her, right? Like it makes you want to know more and more about her. Um, by the time this goes out, I'll have a, uh, I actually recorded with a, um, a uh, artist and um, like fiction writer slash fiction writer who is really really into Maria and German being together, mm-hmm. and uh, had listened to the sixty nine episode where everyone talked because there was a moment in that episode where. Um, I think it was Steph brought up uh, Lady Maria and German and everyone went, <laughs> and uh, she, <laughs> she heard that. And she's like, and she wrote me and she's like, Hey, I'd be very interested in talking about it. Cause I write this stuff and I'd be kind of curious to, I'd be, I, I want to say to the world what that is. And um, I think she did a really good job explaining it. But at the same time, I really, I can't help but think it like, it just takes away a little bit. Like she's, she's such a strong person and to put her with that like madman dude that creeped out on her so much. Like it just, it just takes away from her. Yeah. I, especially with the doll. I feel like yeah. if you subtracted the doll from the equation, it'd be a little less creepy for me. But like, <laughs> as soon as you put in that like obsession element, you're like, mm, mm. I, I mean, but for me, I'm like to each his own. Like if you, if you want to write that, do you good on you, yeah, you know? Absolutely. Um, but I definitely, 
am one of those people who immediately recognizes, uh, this is unhealthy. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, everybody in that game is a little bit unhealthy. Uh, Literally everybody in that game is a little bit unhealthy and sick sick or, (laughs) you know, obsessed or just straight up mad. Like, um... Oh, I can't remember the dude's name now. The the Solaire guy that you think is the Solaire guy. Then you find him. Um, I can't remember anybody's name today. I shouldn't have drank last night. Uh, you find him in the Val Queen's room, and he's just like naked, and the Val Queen is just <laughs> like a, like like pieces of flesh, and he's just laughing maniacally about how he shredded her with this giant wheel. And I'm like, who the f- dude? You were supposed to be my Solaire. You're supposed to be the Sun Bro. I figured you'd be crying in a corner somewhere, not being a fucking madman. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah. There's so many elements Alfred, of that, that game <clears throat> that are so good. Uh, another another element that I really love, I think those games, Bloodborne especially, you can feel like you're going insane. And like one of my favorite parts, though, is there's a, you know, you walk up to the door and you hear password, right? And that really creepy voice and you finally get the door open. It's a fucking skeleton with the top hat <laughs> on and you're like <laughs> what the hell? Like that sense of humor is so funny, but I think it's especially funny when you're like going through all of this super grotesque and hard to deal with stuff. Like there's a lot of there's a lot that you start to question, especially when you start to question the hunt. That's when you're like <laughs> you're real messed up because you're like for first i'm right away i was like these are people and i'm slaughtering people mm-hmm. essentially um and you come in you kind of come in contact uh with that with what's his name who's like don't slay any of my he's he protects those kind of monsters within that space mm-hmm. um i i i guess i don't i i didn't really think about it but the more you learn about the church and the more you learn about the the like split between um the the blood magic and the kind of like rune more insight um issue eyes on the inside nikki just always before i played bloodborne nikki would just always whisper eyes on the inside jesse <laughs> like what the fuck does this mean and then when i got to the point where i realized what eyes on the inside meant i just whisper back eyes on the inside Nikki. there's just this knowing that you get uh that in bloodborne that necessarily bloodborne is such a it's funny because like the mechanics are similar to dark souls enough for it to be a souls game Mm -hmm. but the feeling is so different when you play i think you really captured it when you were like there's a vagueness in dark souls that isn't there in bloodborne yeah, I especially yeah bloodborne just feels like a complete story like uh, i've always compared mm-hmm. the dark Souls story as like a book of history that has pages torn out so you don't quite mm-hmm. know the whole story and you're trying to fill in the gaps but um bloodborne is it feels much more of a completed story like there's things that we don't know and there you know there's things that you can kind of guess at and and do but like for the most part i feel like that game has been figured out like you go to the jerks on frontier you know richard pillbeam's uh youtube channel and like that dude will explain bloodborne to you <laughs> like he will yeah. like, from top to bottom you know that's from tip to toe that's a bloodborne like it's 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 that uh but dark souls is a little bit more vague so, something you mentioned a while ago about the 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 games being funny in a way like it, despite all of this craziness and kind of lunacy yeah. around you there's a um there's a character in dark souls one named elizabeth are you are you familiar with elizabeth the giant mushroom uh, through Nikki, but through Nikki, not yeah. like personally. So she's she's just a giant mushroom. Like that's it. Like there's giant mushrooms in the game. <laughs> this this is the only one that can talk to you. Like and her name is Elizabeth. That's it. Um, and in Dark Souls two, you find some item description and it refers to Elizabeth. Um, I think it might even be like a healing mushroom or something like that. But it's and then and then the description is um, you know this this thing will heal you because Elizabeth was known for her great beauty. And I'm like, dude, she's a giant <laughs> mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> But Dark Souls 2 especially, like, got jokes. Like, that's a funny game in weird ways that I think only fans of the series would get to it. And I, I love the I love the fact that they take the time to, we're going to write some, we're going to make something that's beautiful, sad, and also can make you laugh from time to time. Like, I think that's something that, as, as much as I cringe at Joss Whedon nowadays, I think that's something that Joss Whedon says, you know, just, you know, when you're, when you're writing these stories, for God's sake, like, tell a joke during it. Like, make it, don't make it so yeah. goddamn serious. And I've... I really like, I look for that stuff in games now that I usually just don't find it. Like it's just not there a lot. 
One of the things I really liked about um, specifically, I guess, uh, Eileen Mm -hmm. and being Crow Mom. So I I don't know that any of this has to do with uh, with the games because I, you know, but one of the things that really drew me to her is um, crows are always a symbol of uh, carry on and like the idea that she's hunting the hunters um, is interesting, but she also has an Irish name, which I think is very interesting. And I think she has an Irish voice actor. Um, and in Irish myth, there is a goddess uh, who the, she's called the Morrigan and she's like three separate entities, but the one consistency of her is that she can shape shift into a crow and she pulls soldiers from battle when it's their time to die. Um, or she will, she will literally kill them like as a crow confuse them and then they'll like i don't know fall on their own sword but i always thought that was really interesting that uh eileen in that sense kind of becomes this like almost part of this like mythical cycle and i really love that like the crow feather gear is like my favorite um and part of that is because like i have this connection to this like this uh one of my favorite mythical characters and then eileen who's such a captivating character the you know when she's breathing heavy and telling you that she's taking enough blood you're like eileen my my girl (laughs) Uh, but then also just the the armor it's like the clothing itself the the feathers that aren't really feathers they're like ripped fabric Mm -hmm. but just that they look like feathers it's just gorgeous it's gorgeous to look at but also gives you the sense of carry on, um, which I think because Bloodborne always kind of has this, everything seems like it's rotting. Um, and Dark Souls has that too, this like rot, I guess, mm-hmm. element, but very much so in Bloodborne. You're walking through Bloodborne and you're like, everything is just rotting. Um, and that corpse feeling. So th- to have these things like, uh, these characters like Eileen that are like basically picking at what's left. Um, and for, for her specifically, it's the hunters who have kind of like become the worst beasts. I think the church is definitely the worst, but like these hunters like driven mad and it's, it's terrifying. Like they now are becoming the like carry on and you realize there's nothing to stop it. And that's kind of like beautiful in its own way. Um, this, desperation the cycle of desperation it brings you into like this sense of catharsis i guess that's reflected through the art the choices they make for the characters and the story um and i think that's why for me the games have been so compelling uh that's how i got drawn in like through the art through the style of storytelling and just through the sheer like complexity of emotion in the games and I the think, complexity of what they're drawing from. I think that is probably an excellent way to describe Bloodborne. What do you, as, as somebody who obviously plays these games, but doesn't, like you said, like 100% complete them or anything, are you actively looking for news for more from software stuff? Like you kind of joked about constantly waiting for Bloodborne too. Like, are you, are you waiting for from software to announce something? And if, and if you are like, what are you looking for from them as a, as a games company now? I mean, I would like to see... It's so hard to ask for a Bloodborne 2, because I think Bloodborne was such a complete story. I don't know how they could continue it. Um, But I am... I'm so interested in what comes out of this company next. I think... uh, I love that Miyazaki talks about like making something like looking at a piece of art and like, Oh, you're just making this gross to be gross. Like I I'm, I'm so happy. I like learned this in this podcast. Um, <laughs> I'll try because, to find the actual quote for you. Cause their actual quote is very good. <laughs> like the, the idea of like, like I said, like trying to make something sublime, like I, it's really inspiring for me um, as an artist. I even, even tooth vagina frog legs. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, I want that amount of complexity when I create a creature, you know, uh, instead of just like, I, I was talking to Nikki about this last night, uh, generic fantasy. Um, that's very much, she's like, Oh, I, I, I'm not, I hated world of Warcraft. Like I just didn't like the way it looked. And I'm like, that's cause it's got that generic fantasy TM, um, that the souls games don't, 
they have their own very particular vision uh, outside of generic fantasy trademark. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I want to see more from them. I, and I, I, I love the Souls games, um, but I really loved Bloodborne. And I, I feel like I want another Bloodborne, but I don't know how it could happen. <laughs> like, I don't know what story you could tell from that point because it was such a complete story the beauty of the dark souls games is that like you said they're more like history books with pages missing so you can really jump in at any point yeah whereas bloodborne like you said was it's, it's more complete my pitch on bloodborne too and uh listeners are like rolling their eyes and probably like skipping ahead 30 seconds because i always pitched bloodborne too like this so sorry people <laughs> come back in 30 seconds i'll be done you know i will um has always been like don't like we don't need Yarnum 2.0, right? Like I just want more mm-hmm. gods wash up, up, washing up on the shore, like more dead, weird gods getting found by other parts of the world and how they deal with that. So like, and I'm doing the, and I'm going to say this mostly for the fashion souls part of it, but uh, I, like a Western version of Bloodborne 2, that's like an Americana kind of Western town. So you can have your dusters and your gun belts and all that stuff and your crazy cool hats. And then also like weird towns and abandoned things being taken over by weird Leviathan God things. I think it has a lot of like, I don't know it, it, for me, it, it, it has a lot of attraction. They probably won't do it. Like they, I think they're being kind of like, if they haven't announced bloodborne Two by this point, I just think they're going to move on to a new project and good for them. Like that's mm-hmm. the way that you should do it. But uh, yeah, it's, that's always been my thing. I want I want to have a cool dusters for some reason. I don't even much like <laughs> westerns. Like I, I just I just for some reason that idea is very appealing to me. A secret about me is I actually do like westerns. Really, uh, mo- most people uh, don't don't ever guess that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom really liked them because her dad liked them. So um, I I really like that aesthetic. I guess. Uh, so I I would I kind of think that idea is pretty fun of like going to the, I don't I it's hard I think the the bloodborne timeline worked so well because like we're kind of like where the fuck am I in time mm-hmm. um as far as like the clothing goes uh like there and and the the place they are is very vague like you're like this is sort of european but it's kind of french but it's also kind of like like English, but it's also kind of like German, Austria. You're like, I don't know where the fuck I am. I think, (laughs) (laughs) I think if you, I think if you wanted that like Western feel, like just from my like artist perspective, you've kind of, you kind of have to mix it. Um, Maybe with England in that same time period or something like just kind of like uh, remix it a little bit, but from a fashion aspect. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I also love weapons from the wild West. Like I, I'm like, oh yeah, Henry pump action rifle. <laughs> and m- m- I remember talking to Nikki about it. She's like, "Who are you?" Because <laughs> um, nobody nobody expects it for me, I guess. Uh, but I definitely think I love. I was really into the whole like. I was. I got really into uh, Bloodborne when when you did get to the gods, like especially the the moon presence. Uh, who I call Daddy Vormy because mm-hmm. <laughs> like he he basically tries to vor you <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know like it, I the amount of people who have told me that they want to be vored by the moon presence is absolutely horrifying um, but just the idea that like you thought you were fighting for something but really you're kind of just a pawn in these like gods personal quarrels which i guess is the truth of all mythology like if you get down to it people just become like the pawns of god's personal quarrels um and i i think that was something so unique to that game like i don't i don't know how they'd follow it up because like i i think like you said the only way you could do it is to kind of like have that experience in another place exactly but then at the there's like a point where you're like it gets to a meta so high removed um, that you realize like you're not even on this plane of existence anymore <laughs> with Bloodborne. <laughs> and that's a little, I mean, has it touched everything? We don't know. So I guess that could be an interesting story. I, I'm really excited to see what comes out of this company next. I think um, they changed the way I felt about games. Cause I was kind of lackluster about it. Like, 
I was disappointed with Mass Effect after a while. And uh, there were a lot of games that I loved that kind of let me down. And I think I just liked that they weren't afraid to create things. Um, like one of the things I also talk about from a from a perspective of like looking at um, women in armor and like girl monsters. I have notes. And one of the things I just wrote is girl monsters, monster girls. Okay. Um, so often you see uh, female monsters that are just like monsters with titties um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or aliens with titties. Like, mm-hmm. But the Souls games don't do that. They allow women to be horrifying. And I think that's super fascinating and super enjoyable. Like Vicar Amelia is just a dog, my dudes. Like we <laughs> a yeah. dog with antlers or like I said, uh, the the dancer like these they're they're monsters and there are beautiful women in the game like they just have a variety and that's what i like so much about the games and also if you're playing as a woman like you're wearing armor you can't really tell the difference like i think that was for me i'm a huge (laughs) star wars fan and like uh when phasma was released and like you couldn't tell at first like is this a man is this a woman uh and I love that because it's just fucking armor. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, Everybody would be wearing the same shit just sized for them. Like they're not going to like cut out a bunch of stuff so you can see everyone's abs just because you're a girl. Like that's not, it doesn't make any sense. I feel like I like it because there's, there's like a, there's a post going around Tumblr that I really like uh, about equality of uh, fashion and video games. And they're like, you can either go Dark Souls where like your everybody's armor is like just armor um, and practical. It's pretty practical. There are some armors that are the like one that basically looks like a marshmallow to me. It seems so impractical. But uh, oh, the the onion the onion row armor. Yes. <laughs> and, the, it, yeah. and that has like some like actual like it's actually based on a real thing. I think like so they wouldn't found like some old ass armor that it's based on. It kind of looks like that too. It's so weird. It's so weird, and you're like, how do how do people move? Um, or you can go the Final Fantasy route where everyone's dressed like a slut. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Man, woman, everybody has weird cutouts on their outfits. And uh, I'm okay with that, too. Like, I'm like, yeah, man, it can can really go either way for me. Um, But I just I just love the design. I love that they were able to do that. They're like, here, we're going to level the playing field. We can have beautiful women. We can have monster women. We can have like women characters that are wearing armor, but you can't really tell like what is their gender. Um, and I, and I appreciate that too, from doing some fencing of like, when you get stabbed, like you don't want to get stabbed in the chest without armor. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> I've been, my friend stabbed me actually. Um, that sounds way more dramatic than it is, but I remember in high school we were fencing and uh, they leaned forward and somehow missed Cause there's like, um, the armor, uh, like fencing armor, the women's armor does actually have like boob cups. Like it's one whole mm. plate, but it does like cup your boobs. And there's a really good reason for this. Cause I was wearing the armor that didn't fit and it gaps really big on the side. And like, she stabbed me in the rib <laughs> and, and like, it's a fencing foil, but it still hurts. But it still, still hurts. Yeah. You. Yeah. Um, there was a former guest on the show, Emily, that does uh, like real life armor and fighting stuff. Um, and it's like medieval style stuff. Like she's rolling around in like full sets of armor. And uh, she's great. I'll have to send you her Instagram. I'm not sure if she's made her Instagram like just out there on the internet. So I don't want to put her on blast. But uh, I'll have to send you some of the stuff because it's so fascinating to watch. And it looks like, again, it just looks like armor. You have no idea of anybody, what, what anybody inside and what their you know gender or whatever is. And it's so great. Like it just looks cool. I think um I th- I think for me like growing up uh like one of my favorite I one of my favorite stories is this Joan of Arc cuz I just really love this idea of this woman just she literally walks out of her house cuz God tells her to and puts on armor and goes to war. And there's a lot of like different interpretations of it, but just you know, she just there was no lady armor, so she just wears whatever armor is there cuz women didn't really necessarily wear armor, you know? Mm -hmm. And just this idea of she just put on the armor that like existed already. And to me, like that was so empowering. Just the idea of like, it it kind of like erases gender for her for a little while. 
And uh, I, I think, I think Dark Souls does that in a way where like it becomes unimportant. Um, and as, as someone who like, uh, I go by she, her pronouns, but I also um, more recently in life is like they, them, I guess, mm-hmm. um, feel really comfortable with that option. Um, and I'm glad that Dark Souls offers me that option to kind of be not, like androgynous, I guess. Like, doesn't matter. I'm here to fight um, badly, but I'm here to fight. <laughs> I'm here to die. Well, that's what you're really there to do in Dark Souls is to die. <laughs> well, like the the character creator in Bloodborne, right? Like it, um, when you choose to be male or female, like there's a thing that pops up and it's like, you know, gender has no bearing on, on ability, I think is the word. Like it doesn't matter. Mm. And I, I think that's very telling. Like that's something that they do pretty well throughout the series. Like it's, it, it, Dark Souls is a weird game because I wouldn't necessarily think that it's progressive, but I think they just by being like normal ass people like they just kind of fall on the progressive side right like just by where not by not making their armor super sexy when a woman puts it on just by having them wear just normal armor like they're already to the left <laughs> of wherever all these other games are because most other games like oh there's a character figure we're gonna have to show some deep cleaves so you know, to make yeah, that interesting. it's super casual yeah yeah i do like that you can choose um in i know in bloodborne uh and I think in the Souls games, you can choose your your uh, your past, I guess. You're kind of like, you can have like a troubled past or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's more interesting to me than like um, some of like, uh, like if you <laughs> if you choose to like, oh, you're a girl now. So like you have an effective ability, like, oh, you're faster or whatever, but you're not as strong. Like, I like that they're more concerned. And I think it just goes to tell with like the the storytelling of um bloodborne that they're they're concerned more about like you as a um as a character rather than you as like an individual i that sounds so weird no no it's 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 something that um it's one of the reasons i'm I'm disappointed in dark souls 3 so much um Mm. because dark souls never really it feels like it doesn't care about the actual player of the game. Like it's concerned about mm-hmm. the player character, um, and and only to a small degree. But it doesn't really concern itself explaining things to you. It doesn't concern itself, you know, bending over backwards to appeal to you or to make things like it's it just it's there and it's like hey, you know, you go do your thing. And that's something that playing Dark Souls three as someone who started way back when with Dark Souls one, all of the hey, do you remember this stuff? Is that's what really irked me about it? It's because it wasn't all of that stuff wasn't there for the player character for the person that I was mm. playing. It was there for me. Like seeing the Onion Bro come up on the elevator didn't do anything to anybody but the people that had played Dark Souls one. Like otherwise, it's mm. just a guy. So that's it. Definitely, I, I definitely get you. Like it's more way more concerned for most of the games are way more concerned with just dealing with that character. It doesn't care about like anything else around that. So yeah, like you could almost you're like. And I think it goes to it goes along with like the idea of kind of especially in the Dark Souls game of being a sacrifice kind of because that's what you are basically mm-hmm. like um, the nonchalance in which the the I guess orchestrators of the bonfire lighting like feel towards this character that you're playing is echoed in the game. And somehow that's appealing about it. Like it kind of is like this out of body experience when you're playing Dark Souls games. Like you're not, there's not the same investment as in like an RPG where like Final Fantasy, where like your character story is pretty set out and you're not playing as yourself in this world. You're playing as this character in this world. Um, Where in Dark Souls, you're making, your decisions are your character's decisions. Like there's no one telling you um, what, to do really i mean there's an outline of what you should do but nobody's like um you're doing this because your mom was a goddess of crystals and you know blah 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 blah. (laughs) like there's no there's no real like uh there's no real assigning of a personality yeah you're just kind of some some rando that just showed up 
Exactly. And I think that's like, I remember, um, I remember the fir- one of the first questions I asked Nikki, I was like, uh, so why am I doing this? Like, why is my character doing this? And she's like, you've been risen, you've been, uh, you've been rekindled. And I was like, okay, but why? And they're like, that's, it's just it. That's it. That's, that's all you that's, get. That's all. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> we don't, we don't really know. Going back to uh, Dark Souls 1, like they, you know, you're the chosen undead, right? Like that's the official mm-hmm. title for the player character. And the the voiceover acting tells you like, you're the chosen undead. You're going to get up and you're going to ring the bells and you're going to do this and all this other stuff. And then again, you get to Firelink and he's like, oh yeah, there's been hundreds, not, if not thousands of chosen undead coming through mm-hmm. here, dog. Like you were not the only one, which I, I always like that. Like I, I like when games do that where you're like, you're not the you know, the chosen one, the hero character. You're not fucking Neo in the Matrix. Like, you're just some dude yeah. that happens along and, like, you're just going to take up this quest. And you'll run into people who are probably the heroes of their own story that are interacting with this world, like your Onion Bros or your Solaris, that aren't trying to do the same thing with you. Like, they're doing something totally different, which I always find really fascinating in a game. Like, not everybody's concerned about your bullshit. Like, we got other stuff we got going on. So Yeah, or, um, oh, fuck, what is his name? He's, he's real depressed. Um, and he's he's always like, what's the point of doing this? Oh, that's you know, always like, the crestfallen night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the crestfallen night. Uh, I, I'm like, I relate to you, dude. Like, <laughs> if I could just sit here right now, I would just sit here. I mean, not really, because you really want to play the game. But like, honestly, I'm like, I feel you, my dude. Like, <laughs> I I am done with this, <laughs> and I I kind of like that. That like, you get perspectives from other people. Um, that kind of change your perspective of the game, I guess. Cause I, I think when you first go into it, you're like, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing the right thing. And then by the end of the game, you're like, was there any point to any of, <laughs> any this, of this that I just did? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesse, thank you so much for guesting with me. This is a, uh, this has been an absolute delight of an episode. It's, it's a little bit of a weird one. Uh, you, normally we kind of like, normally we're a little bit more focused on like mechanics or plot or whatever. So this was super interesting to have you on. I think it was a really fun perspective. Uh, so thanks. I really appreciate you taking, waking up super early on a Saturday and recording with me. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm, uh, I hope, I hope it was, I hope I was okay. <laughs> yeah, you were absolutely perfect. Tell everybody where, where, where they can find you on the internet. Should they choose to do so? Um, you can find me at filthy wizard on Twitter or at filthy magic user um, on Tumblr if you want to see what I draw. Um, somebody took at filthy wizard on Tumblr, and I went to the page, and it's just like an icon of a wizard and nothing else. And I'm real salty about it. <laughs> well, welcome to uh, that's the reason I am at don't give up skellies on Tumblr and Instagram. <laughs> some jackass out there is out there not. <laughs> Posting stuff about skeletons on the their don't give up skeleton pages that they are camping out on, and I'm not. So, I need to go on the salt report and talk about this. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again for guesting. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at Don't Give Up Skeleton. That website has all the links to the social medias, like the aforementioned Don't Give Up Skelly's account that I'm super salty about. (laughs) Uh, That Instagram page, by the way, has preview videos of just about every episode of the podcast. So if you want to kind of dip your toe in before jumping into a full episode, that is the place to go. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for leaving iTunes reviews. I've gotten some new ones lately, and that's always super exciting. That makes me feel good as a person. And, you know, it's nice to make people feel good. So leave me more iTunes reviews. That would be awesome. Otherwise, I'll see you next week with another good episode. And remember... Don't give up, skeleton. (laughs) That gets everybody. I always get a chuckle at that at the end. (laughs) I know. I was like, I I like, I love the don't give up, skeleton. The meme. It's like one of the first, yeah, yeah, one of the first things that like Nikki. I remember when the first time Nikki went on your show, actually, she was like, just, yeah, I have to tell you something. (laughs) (laughs) She, you know. She and I had been like kind of Tumblr buddies for a while, and uh, she wrote into the show. I think because I was running the, the hate mail site, and she was doing all this PvP, so she was sending me hate mail. So we got to know each other the way Tumblr mutuals know each other, right? Like you don't really talk, but you see what they blog, so you kind of know what their life is like. Um, yeah. But probably not accurately.